Hello, my friends. This is Bishop Campbell welcoming you again to a short meditation on the theme of living the Catholic life. As I began to consider what I would like to uh, speak about today, I thought of a line that comes out of the second reading for Ash Wednesday. It was taken from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, and it reads, We are ambassadors for Christ, as if God were appealing through us. Now that verse led me to think of how, in fact, we celebrate Lent in a very difficult time. I think for many of us, we probably have uh, thought we've been observing Lent for the past year. But in fact, this Lent, I think, is important because there are signs that we are turning this whole thing around. Although I can imagine it's going to uh, leave many difficulties behind it. But how do we celebrate Lent? in the times in which we live now. It's a time of immense divisions, a little civil unrest. There's a profound moral and intellectual confusion uh, among people. There's even that problem of redefining what is true, even a move to squelch the truth that would lead us both to health, prosperity, and of all things, to the salvation of our souls. And we deal with the anxieties of the pandemic and how to recover from them. So let me offer a few thoughts that begin with St. Paul's admonition that we are ambassadors for Christ and speak about the way in which we might observe this season in a way that will be profitable to our spiritual health and profitable to the world around us. First, I think, we have to understand what an ambassador is. In diplomatic terms, an ambassador is one who stands in for a head of state among foreign powers. We have ambassadors in in England, France, and in fact they are there to represent the head of state, the president. And being an ambassador for Christ, I think St. Paul is suggesting that in many places and many times, we are the stand-in for Christ. We represent Christ in the very place where we are. And in order to do this effectively, I think in this Lent, we have to begin with a personal transformation according to the pattern of Christ. We are called at the very beginning of this season to a kind of personal asceticism, a discipline that will allow us, in a sense, to reshape our lives, to to empty our lives of concerns that are not entirely healthy, And in our prayer and fasting and almsgiving, we are, in a sense, orienting ourselves to the person of Christ and his message. 
And in this personal transformation, according to Christ, we are directing the whole of our being toward the love of God above all other realities. And from this personal transformation, as we follow our Lenten discipline, especially in the intensity of our our prayers, we then touch upon the transformation of the culture around us. We could not be effective ambassadors in our own time and place unless we have begun with the transformation of our own hearts and minds. And it is from an example of our own lives, our fidelity to Christ, that begins in many subtle but nonetheless important ways to transform the culture around us. And this personal transformation and our responsibility, I think, for the transmission of transformation rather of the culture around us means that secondly, from our own Lenten discipline, we have to achieve both the knowledge and the courage, the readiness to witness to the faith. And we remember what St. Peter preached immediately after the Pentecost when he rushed into the streets of Jerusalem. He said to the people, Remember, There is no other name in heaven or on earth by which we are saved than the name of Jesus Christ. What a profound responsibility that Christians have to proclaim that message because it is, in many ways, a matter of life and death, of hope or despair. So in bearing witness to the faith and to the power of the name of Jesus, we have to be steadfast in the saving truth that we have received from our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't this why St. Bernard of Clairvaux, when he preached on the nature of conversion, said that the first act of conversion is the conversion of our mind? We have to know what is true in order to do what is true. So therefore, we have to commit to a deeper understanding of the faith that we proclaim and the name that we bear. Secondly, I think there has to be a certain modesty, humility, and also hope, because we have to realize that here we have no lasting city, that we live in a particular time and place, we have particular responsibilities to ourselves and to others in that time and place. But they all are pointing to a larger and greater reality, an eternal city, the new Jerusalem, so that our witness and our steadfastness in this world will be all a matter of more or less. We can't do everything, but we can do something. We also, I think, in our fortitude, are not to be overwhelmed by events. There is a tendency in our own world to define everything that is difficult or challenging as nearly apocalyptic. This has to be the end. Everything's falling apart. 
It is destroying and falling around our ears. But remember that we are buoyed by the hope that in all things, the victory of Jesus Christ will be revealed. So that we do not belittle or poo-poo the challenges, but we are sustained by that profound hope that this is not the ultimate reality. So we commit ourselves to trusting in the loving providence of God. It is a providence that we may discern only in remembrance, only in recollecting back. But it's a trust that in the hand of God, as St. Juliana of Norwich said, all things will be well, all matter of things will be well. So we commit to doing the good. We commit to our particular responsibilities in this Lent. We turn our Lenten discipline into a way by which we become ever more ready to do this. And then as we come to celebrate the great feast of Easter, the joy of the resurrection will not only be greater this year, but it will be a more profound experience and a deeper source of understanding. You know, in the early church, in a period in which Christians lived day by day with the expectation of a persecution or arrest or even death, in the midst of this, the church fathers used to call for martyrdom. Now, martyrdom originally meant simply giving witness to your faith. Uh, faith. It was a con- uh, a confession that you made in public. Sometimes this, of course, led to a blood martyrdom or a red martyrdom, as it was called. But we are all called to make that confession and to live it daily in our lives, to, to share it and to be ready to give an account of the faith that we believe. But I think we do this by winning for ourselves this Lent a peaceful in calm disposition, arresting in the assurance of God's presence among us, with gratitude in what has been worked in our lives by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the persistence and, and sustenance of the virtue of hope. And in that way, this Lent lived in very different and very difficult times may be one of the most profound acts of transformation we will experience.